All right, everybody, welcome to New Life. How many of you guys are excited to be at church today? Today, right now. Right now. Yeah, I knew you guys would be much more alive than the first service. Much more alive than the first service. How many guys are, come on, just be honest. How many guys are normally first service people, but you're just like, I'm taking an extra hour of sleep? Okay, well, all right, we had two honest people. All right. For those of you visiting with us, we are a church full of integrity. Um, we want to talk about that. Uh, no, we're, we're a church that loves people. We love people right where they're at. Uh, we love people no matter what they, what they come walking in the door uh, with their life, what they look like. It doesn't matter. Uh, we all have a past. I'm the first one to admit my past. Uh, if, you're, if you're around here long enough, you'll hear parts of it, right? I never want to forget the lost state I came from. Because when I forget about where I came from, the lost state I came from, I'll stop loving people that are walking through our doors in difficult times. So if you're here today and this is your first Sunday checking us out and you're feeling like, man, my life, I'm wrestling with all kinds of stuff. I just want you to know I understand and we understand and we love you right where you are and we're going to try to love you all the way to Jesus. If anything we can do to help you know who he is because, man, Jesus is amazing. And he's changed my life. He's turned it inside out. And he's changed so many of your lives. And he's still changing lives. Amen? And we believe that today here at New Life. Come on. Come on. So you're here at uh, Carney Campus, but you also might be worshiping with us at our North Platte Campus. We're one church, one church. Right? It's not us and them. It's one church in multiple locations, and I'm so excited about that. So can you guys say a big hello with a hand clap for everybody worshiping with us at, at our North Black campus? Come on. Yeah. They were doing the same back, all right, because it's mutual. It's mutual. I also want to say hello to everybody that might be worshiping with us online as well. So what a fantastic day. Hey, look, we are uh, continuing a teaching series that we started last week. We had a guest missionary with us. Solomon Wong, our missionary from Bhutan, uh, was with us. I mean, you guys enjoyed that. Did you enjoy that? That was good, right? Yeah, he, uh, he said on Tuesday in a text message, anytime I'm back, Jeff, can I speak? Because I love your church. And we're like, we love you too, Solomon. We love you too. Um, so just uh, like a guy about, about this tall, packed full, just packed full of energy. And, you know, like you would follow him through a brick wall. He's not going to make it through the brick wall. But when you come behind him, you'll get through that. So um, anyways, that's the deal. But we kicked off the Lord's Prayer. All right, the Lord's Prayer. Now, the Lord's Prayer is something that many of you know. You've heard of the Lord's Prayer in some capacity or another. And a lot, of, uh, a lot of people, they just quote it over and over and over again. We're going to talk about that. Um, but Jesus, he gave us the Lord's Prayer to do something specific in our lives. He, he gave us the Lord's Prayer to actually teach us how to pray, not exactly what to say. And we know that he gave us the Lord's Prayer to teach us how to pray because of what he said before he had the Lord's Prayer, now that we call it the Lord's Prayer, before he had those words come out of his mouth. <clears throat> Here's how he said it in Matthew Matthew chapter 6, he says, But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, he'll reward you. Then listen to these words. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. <laughs> they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and again. Jesus said, Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Verse 9, pray like this, 
Pray like this. And then he goes into the Lord's Prayer. So, so look, some of you guys grew up and the Lord's Prayer was something that you just requoted over and over and over again. Very much like Jesus said, don't do. That's not why I gave it to you, so that you would just have this thing that's aimlessly being spoken out of your mouth that serves no purpose and or meaning to you. It's just rote words that are coming out of your mouth because you kind of memorize them in your head, but they're not filtering through the heart. And Jesus goes, look, that's aimless, and it's not going to get you anywhere. It's kind of like the, the old story, and many of you have heard of it. The woman who she cuts the end of the ham off. How many of you guys have heard that story, right? She cuts the end of the ham off and she bakes it and her kids love it. She makes it and the kids love it. And they're like, mom, why did you cut the end of the ham off? And she goes, I don't know, because mom cut the end of the ham off, right? And um, she goes, well, man, that's kind of interesting. I should probably ask mom, mom, why do you cut the end of the ham off? Is it some secret recipe that makes it taste better? And mom's like, no, because grandma did it. So then she goes to her grandma and she goes, grandma, why did you cut the end of the ham off? Some of you guys know the punchline, right? She goes, because my pan's too small. There was no secret recipe, right? It's just the pan was too small. Some of us, we are doing things in our relationship with God that are aimless. They have no purpose. And then, therefore, they have lost their power. So one thing we're going to teach you through this series on the Lord's Prayer is not how to memorize the Lord's Prayer and just requote its words. We're going to dig much deeper than that. We're going to go into why did Jesus say what he said because what was he doing? Teaching us how to pray. So let's look right at the beginning, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, as Jesus now starts to unfold. Hey guys, pray like this. Would you read these words with me starting with our Father? Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Okay, now, does that sound like the, the Lord's Prayer that maybe some of you have memorized? Doesn't sound like it, right? What does the Lord's Prayer sound like that many of you have memorized? Because it's probably the same that I memorized. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Stop. Look, that doesn't sound like that, but it's exactly what it is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be kept holy. That's exactly what the word hallowed be your name. May your name be holy. May your name be proclaimed as holy. May we never forget that your name is holy. That's what I love about more modern day translations because they help us really get to the true essence of what was trying to be said. But if you just took the Lord's Prayer for face value, based on the language you and me just spoke, how many of you would ever have known what the word hallowed mean? Because it's not a word we use today. It's just not a word you find being thrown around, you know, when you're walking around or on social media. Like, just search your social media posts for the last time someone used the word hallowed. Hashtag hallowed. Let's try it sometime. See if anybody follows that trend. They're not going to do it, okay? So, it's really important at times that why do we use things like the New Living Translation? It's because we, we want to help us understand what God's word is really saying. So what is it that Jesus is trying to drive home in these first few words? What's he trying to teach us about prayer? Let's jump in. First thing is this, father identity. There's a father identity issue. Think about in your life. How, how influential is your earthly father in your life? 
How influential was he in shaping you? Even if he, even if he wasn't around, how influential was a male figure in shaping your life? I mean, in my life, I grew up, my mom and my dad, you know, my entire life, they're still alive today. Okay, I mean, my dad, he set the temperament of the home. He set the attitude of the home. If, if there was gonna be, you know, some mood swing in the home, it was gonna be set on my father uh, more than it was gonna be set on my mother. My, my dad just kind of, he, he had that kind of a, you know, leadership in, in the house. I mean, my dad had that kind of leadership even when he wasn't at home. You cross the line and mom says these words. When your dad gets home, I'm gonna tell him. And what do you do? You're like, where can I go hide? (laughs) Because you know, so he carried influence even when he wasn't there. And that's the power of being a father on this earth. Young men who have yet to have kids, listen to me. Listen to me. It's a joy. I've raised four children. They're all married, right? And now I get a chance just to play with my grandchildren. I'm trying to raise them when they're around me because that's just what I do. I want to make them the best. But I know that I fill them with sugar and send them back home. (laughs) But with my kids, I raised four kids. It is a joy. It's a joy to be able to raise children and teach them the way that they should go. And then it is a struggle to try to help them along the process, but the struggle is all worth it. And in the end, it even brings joy. So look, raising, raising the next generation is a powerful assignment that God gives to young men and women. But there is something about the, the father role on this earth that God established to be an identity for who he is going to be for the next generation. What that means is this. The way that you lead, okay, young men, men my age, and old men. Notice how I just kind of put myself in the middle there. (laughs) Didn't kind of actually go either direction. Not humble, not pride, just like right in the middle, right? The way that you lead the next generation is setting the example for them of how they're going to see God. So Jesus starts out by saying, look, God is a father. So, So guys... If we set the imagery of what God is to the next generation, we have that type of influence. It's really important that we wield that influence in a proper way. Okay, so I'm speaking to everybody here, but I'm specifically for the next few minutes speaking to all men that are listening. Hear me out on this. I was reading some research on this issue of the spiritual influence, the influence of fathers in all kinds of dynamic ways in uh, in children. And Focus on the Family had a research that came from the University of Pennsylvania. All right, and they said this, that where children and fathers are connected, children who feel, look, look at this, children who feel a close connection with their father are twice as likely to enter college Children that feel a close connection with their father are 75% less likely to have a child in their own teen years. Children that feel a closeness with their father are 80% less likely to be incarcerated and half as likely to show signs of depression. Children that feel a close connection with their father. But it goes on. There were some other things that I found from Focus on the Family that they said that in a 26-year-long study, how many would say 26 years? That's a good period of time to study something. 
They said that researchers found that the number one, listen, the number one factor in developing empathy in children was father involvement. I would have thought it to be just the opposite. I would have thought it's the loving, the caringness of the mother. But they said the number one factor in developing empathy in a child was the father's involvement. Fathers spending regular time, listen to this, alone with their children, one-on-one with their children, translated into children who became compassionate adults. I mean, I gotta admit, as a father, one-on-one time, you know how purposeful you have to be, dads? To schedule one-on-one time with your kids? We were running busy lives and we're out there and we're, we're doing what we think is the best thing, which is I'm putting a roof over your head and bacon on your plate. And when I get home, I want the recliner and the remotes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but it, it, what do you want for the next generation? Because it's, it all hinges on what we do today. Here's some more stuff that came according to a report in fathers and their impact on children's well-being. Listen to this, because I loved it. It started from birth. It says, even from birth, children who have uh, an involved father are more likely to be emotionally secure, be confident to explore their surroundings, and as they grow older, have better social connections. When fathers are involved from day one at birth, even in the infant process, when you think it doesn't matter who's holding the baby and who's interacting with the baby and who's playing with the toddler, when the father's involved from the beginning, the children tend to grow up and be more socially connected instead of this, you know, weakness in their, in their social connections and their ability to be emotionally secure. But let's deal with the things that really matter today. What really matters today is the spiritual dynamic. And so there was a research that was done in Switzerland, right around, it came out about the year 2000, right? So it's, you know, 18, 19 years old, but it's still relevant today. Came out in 2000, it was dealing with the spiritual influence of the father. I want you to watch the power that earthly fathers have in leading their children spiritually. And fathers, put your seatbelt on. Because this one's going to hit home. It's going to hit home really, really close. And I don't want you to excuse these percentages away, all right? Because we're, we, we have an epidemic um, in our country and in our culture and in our society where we have fathers who are, yes, they're in the home, but they're absent in their spiritual leadership. I want you to hear how important your spiritual leadership is. It says, if both the father and the mother attend church regularly, that means we're assuming that they're committed to Christ, right? they have a relationship with God, and they're all in, right? They're all in. 33% of their children, they follow that same example. 41% of them end up attending kind of more irregularly. A lot of what we see in church in America today, attending like 50% of the time or even 25% of the time, one out of four weeks walking through the doors irregularly. And only 25% are lost. I, we use the word only, that's what was in the report, because it only gets worse from here. Take a look what happens next. If the father is irregular, kind of that one out of four, 50% of the time, and mother's all in, look, at, look what happens. Only 3% of the children will become regular churchgoers. That means only 3% of the children are going to become all in followers of Jesus. When the dad decides, I'm not going to be all in, I'm going to be half there. That one little shift 
knock the number all the way down to 3% of the next generation that will follow Jesus. 59% will become irregular, kind of on the, you know, on, the, on the fringe. And look what happens, 38% of the next generation is lost, not, 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 not to follow Jesus, possibly never to follow Jesus. Huge, dads, huge. But watch what happens. If the father's non-participating, he's totally out. Like, no, I'm not into this, you know, Jesus thing. I'm not into this spiritual thing, but mom, you can go. And mom takes the kids every single week. She's all in. Only 2% of the children will become worshipers of Jesus, followers of God. 37% will attend irregularly and over 60% will be lost. It's an epidemic when dads don't step up and lead and become the earthly fathers that God's asked us and empowered us to be. But this really amazed me. If the father is regular, but the mother doesn't attend, if the dad is all in, look what happens. It's amazing, isn't it? 44% of the children become regular attenders. When the dad says, I'm all in. Now moms, please, this is not me diminishing your role. You have a whole nother role. We're, we're tackling this because Jesus said, when you look at God, I want you to see God as your father. And we know that there is this earthly father dynamic that's taking place that is creating all these issues that hinder the, the next generation from seeing God as father or they're helping the next generation see God as father. So in all of this study, it basically comes down to this, that if dad takes faith in God seriously, then the message to the children is that God should be taken seriously. So guys, listen to me, earthly fathers, you know, listen to me right now, right? You identify the very image of God for the next generation. So what happens if you're abusive? How does the next generation see God? And then how would they ever trust him? How, wouldn't they ever, how would they ever think that God's just not out for his own motive, which would be hurtful to you to get whatever he wants to get done? What about the big, massive elephant in the room, the abandonment of the next generation by so many fathers? What, what happens now for the next generation when the father abandons the generation? Father walks away from the kids. How does the kids now have to, have to wrestle with to see God as father? They would have, they'd probably see him like a lot of humanity does. Like God's just off in never, never land, you know, distant from this whole thing called creation. And we're just here doomed to live life our own. He doesn't care what's going on. It hinders us from our prayer life. It hinders us from a relationship with God that will radically transform us. What if dads, what if you spoil your kids? Then how will, how will the next generation see God? Well, God just gives me everything I want. And when God doesn't give me what I want, then what's going to happen to them? They're going to have massive disappointment and failure in their own faith. What about this, dads? What if you're a drill sergeant? And what if you keep setting the bar higher and higher and higher and higher where your kids, they, they can't even achieve it. Now when they start looking at God, they're thinking that the, the expectations of God just keep getting higher and higher and I can never achieve it. And how defeating is that for the next generation? But let's flip it on its head. What if you love them? What if you're patient with them? What if you show kindness to them? What if you discipline in a godly way? What if when you cross the line, you repent? 
Well, what if when you, you know you, you've gone to the zone of your own emotions and your own feelings and your own flesh and you've really wounded with words and actions? Well, what if you asked for, for forgiveness and you repented and you admitted you're wrong? Then what, would, then what would the next generation, how would they see God then? They would see God as loving, kind, and compassionate. So fathers, I have a challenge for you. Show more patience to your children. Show more kindness. Show more generosity to them. Show them that you're giving. That you're not just selfish for your own time. Teach them how to give of themselves. Teach them how to give of their resources. Teach them how to give of their finances and what God gives to them. Show your kids. Take them along the journey with you on that. Show real acceptance of your children where they're at. Love them where they are so that you can lead them someplace. And ultimately protect them. If we were to take that simple approach, it would revolutionize the, the, the following of Jesus in the next generation. And instead of follow, finding generation after generation slipping and falling away from the cross, we would find generations ramping up toward the cross. There's a lot that hinges on us. So here's what fathers need. We need the power, the authority, and a, and a complete dependence on the Holy Spirit. Because we cannot do this mission in our own flesh and in our own strength. We just can't. But it's so important because Jesus is teaching us that is his father is to be our father. When you call God father, you're establishing your prayer on the truth of God. And if there's a hindrance to call God Father because of what's happened on this earth with your earthly father, it's going to start the relationship off wrong. It's going to build a relationship on a false pretense. And then when, when you're trying to get closer and closer to God, there's this distance that you're always feeling that you just can't get through. And it's because we got to come to God first as Father. There's this dependence upon him. There's this reliance upon him. There's this recognition of his goodness and of his grace and his mercy and that he's perfect in his love towards us. And when God's your father, then there becomes this understanding that he'll hear you. So fathers, if, if, we're, not, if we're not taking time to hear our children, to hear what's in their heart, that is building a wall it's going to hinder the next generation from thinking and believing that God even wants to hear their heart. 1 John 5 says this, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, what happens? He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked for. Basically, it's this. When... When is it that it moves the heart of God to answer prayer? It's not when we ask according to our will. It's when we ask according to his will. How are you ever going to know God's will if you can't see him as a loving, gracious father that you want to get close to? If you don't want to get close to him, how are you going to ever know his will? So now we're just out there praying aimless prayers that seem as if they're going unanswered and going nowhere. If you, want, if you want to really capture the heart of God and know he hears, we've got to be able to get close to him and see him as father so that we can know his will better. So let me just make a suggestion to all of us. 
everybody that's in this room, including me, if there is anything that you're holding against your earthly father, here's my challenge to you. Forgive him and forgive him now. Because if you forgive your earthly father, you're going to discover a bond to God, your father. Many times, one of the things that's keeping you from being close to God is the unforgiveness in your heart and possibly even towards your father if you're ever going to refer to God as father and actually believe it and not just quote aimless words. If you really want the personal one-on-one relationship with God, it might be you've got to forgive the earthly father today. Don't hold anything back. If in this moment, the Holy Spirit's reminding you of things that you're holding on to, or you packed away in a suitcase and you were like, I'm not gonna let that control me anymore, but it's packed in a suitcase, unpack it and forgive them. And you'll start to sense a closeness with God because the father definition of God will start to become more healthy. Try that, see what happens today. The second thing that I hear Jesus really driving home for us is this, that our father is in heaven. Now look, never mistake this line with God being absent. That's not what Jesus is trying to say. God's off in some far off place called heaven and he's not interested in what's going on. That's not what he's saying at all because listen to who, who's saying it. Jesus is the one saying it. Who sent Jesus? The father. Why did the father send Jesus? Because he loved us and he wanted a relationship with us and he knew that he is holy, he's in heaven, he's perfect in every way. We are not holy and we're full of sin, and there's gotta be a bridge built between our sinful state and his holy righteous state. And so Jesus comes and lives a sinless life and pays for the sins of humanity on the cross so that we can now have relationship with God and our sins can be covered by the blood of Jesus. So God sent his son Jesus because he loved us as a father does, and he didn't want separation from his children, and so now there's a connection. But then Jesus leaves. And so then what does the father do? Does he just now leave us all alone? He's like, look, I fixed your sin problem. Now go ahead and do what you're gonna do. No, he's like, look, I adjusted the sin issue. I corrected it. I brought it into a place where you can confess your sins through Christ and have relationship with me. But Jesus ascends back to heaven, but he doesn't leave us alone. He sent the Holy Spirit. Take a look at what John 14 says. Jesus was was talking, he said, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from who? The Father who what? Who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. Then listen to this. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the who? The Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I've told you. Isn't that good news? That the Father loves you and me so much that he, he's unwilling to leave us alone. In his perfect and in his righteous state, he sends Jesus. And after Jesus completes his mission, he goes, the power of my Holy Spirit is moving through this place, hovering over the face of the earth, but more importantly, indwelling inside of the believer. So fathers, you wanna accomplish that earthly father role? You wanna do it well? So does God. God wants you to do it well. So he sent you the power of the Holy Spirit. The more we rely on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, and we're sensitive to what he's saying, the better we'll accomplish that. And for all of us, the Holy Spirit 
has been sent so that we will have a closeness with God. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Offer yourself to the Holy Spirit of the living God. And when you do that, you're going to sense a closeness with God. That's what's going to happen. So just because God the Father is in heaven doesn't mean that he's absent from your life. Do you get that? doesn't mean that he's absent at all. In fact, think of it this way. Just because something might be, you know, far away, it doesn't make it fake or it doesn't make it less, you know, real or it doesn't make it less, you know, powerful. Like, like as an example, I was doing some quick research about this whole idea of something being far away. And does that mean that it's less powerful or less real or, you know, is it fake in some capacity? And, you know, mankind has discovered the largest star that we can find in the universe right now. Does anybody know the name of the largest star that we've discovered in the universe to this date? Canis Majoris. There you go. There you go. Canis Majoris. Come on, let's say that with me. Canis Majoris. All right, and see, now you're like 1% smarter. That's good. Largest star that we know. It's four to 5,000 light years away from us. It's not too far. We'll get there one day if we keep trying. If it were our sun in our solar system, the earth wouldn't even be able to exist because Canis Majoris, it would, it would eat up our earth. It would eat up Mars. It would reach all the way out to Jupiter. That's stupider. Just saying. That's one big, massive star. Let me help you understand how big the thing really is. If you took a, a Boeing 787 Dreamliner and you wanted to circumvent the Earth right at the equator, does anybody know how many hours it would take to fly that plane around so that you could go all the way around the Earth, take off on one landing strip and land at the same one? It would take 45 hours and two fuel stops, 787 Dreamliner, 45 hours, two fuel stops. Okay, that's not, too, that's not too shabby, actually. If you take that same plane and you want to fly around, you know, the equator of Canis Majoris, it will take you 1,100 years to do that. And that's a lot of fuel stops, by the way. <laughs> that's how big this thing is. But it's just a dot in the sky. Look at it. Here's our sun way down in here. The blue dashed line is the Earth's orbit. I mean, this, look how big it is. But you can look out into the sky and it's just a little dot. Just because it's a little dot doesn't make it less real or less, less powerful. It's powerful and you don't want to get close to it. It'll consume you. This poof, bam, gone into ash, never to be seen again. So just because something's far away doesn't make it less powerful. Think of a virus, a virus. Like some of you guys got the flu this year. Congratulations. <laughs> We're all trying to avoid it. You can't see a virus, but you definitely feel the impact of it, right? Just because something can't be seen doesn't make it less real or less powerful. And when Jesus was teaching us that God the Father, God the Father is in heaven, he was saying to us something very, very important. That means that God is in heaven ruling from his throne. He's in complete control. He's in complete control of all things. He doesn't just exercise a power. He is the source of all power. The source of all power. And so God in heaven, whose name is holy, 
That's why Jesus was trying to drive home the point that his name is holy. Because the holiness of God is what makes God God. If God's not holy, not set apart, right? Not sinless, all-powerful, all-knowing, holy, then why pray to him? If you pray to something that's not holy, how can you ever expect to get a response or an answer? If you're not holy, in control of all things, all-powerful, all-knowing, righteous in every single way, perfect in every single way, the essence of the word holy, then why pray to something that's not holy? You're not going to get an answer. You can pray to a dolphin all day long. You're not going to get an answer. Just whatever they do. Sound a lot like a dog, but hey, who cares? You can pray to a tree. It's going to blow in the wind. Right? But because God is holy, and never forget, he's our father. He's in heaven. That doesn't make him distant. He's very close, living in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's holy. Then we can pray to him and we can believe that he can move the mountains and he can shake the earth and he can break the chains that hold us back. Because he is holy, we can pray to him with confidence, knowing that he hears us, he listens to us, and he answers prayer. I want you to know, God answers prayer. It's just that he doesn't always answer it with the request you made. The reason is, let's go back to that last verse. Because many times we don't pray according to his will. We pray according to our will. When we pray according to our will, God goes, I'm going to answer. It's just going to be a different answer. Because <laughs> God always answers according to his will. You can have confidence when you come to your father in prayer. Listen to this last verse. So that the eyes of the Lord, they watch over those who do right. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Let me just say this. You can have confidence that the Lord hears your prayers. When we are pursuant of being righteous and following his ways. You're never going to be perfect. But what's the motive of your heart? Is the motive of your heart to know God, to follow him? to obey his word, then know this, when you pray, he hears us. But guys, if we're bent on a different direction than that, and we pray and we expect God to answer our prayer, God says, look, if you're gonna choose evil, I'm gonna choose silence. If you choose righteousness and try to, you, you choose me and you choose to live by my word, I'm hearing that. That's who God is. So I got a little something I wanna give you here at the end. It's a way to pray. Right? I've said it before, so it's not the first time I've ever brought this out, but it's a way to pray. And I wanted to tell you about it because it's a very practical way to pray that's going to help you keep God as the Father in the forefront of your prayer. And it's going to help you keep God as holy in the forefront of your prayer. So once this gets on the screen, my encouragement to you is to do this take out your cell phone, snap a picture of it. Okay? That would be my encouragement to you. Snap a picture of it and then use it as a template for prayer this week and see how it might change the way you see God as Father and how you come to him as his name is holy. Okay, look, this is, this is the breakdown. It's called the ACTS Prayer Acronym. First letter A stands for adoration. This simply means worship, right? To seek God, right? You're, you're worshiping him because he is holy, right? That's why we worship him. We wor look, we all worship something. 
My, my suggestion to you is that you worship God because he's the only one that is holy instead of whatever else it is that we're worshiping. So we worship God because he's holy, right? We worship him. And as you're worshiping him, I would encourage you to say, God, I worship you. You are my father. I'm your son or I'm your daughter. I would encourage you and worship to him. Declare that. And then as you're in worship, then move to the C, which is confession. That's that, God, I know these areas of my life, they don't line up with your word, but man, I want, I want it to. So I repent of this. Be a person that repents. Be a person that humbles yourself before God and repents often. Right? That keeps our life lined up with God. And what did God say about the ones who are trying to live righteous? What did he say about our prayers? He hears them, right? Remember that? He hears them. It keeps our heart in the right place. Then from there, we go to Thanksgiving. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all that you've done in my life. Thank you for all the provision. Thank you for, you know, how you're leading me. Thank you that you're walking with me through this difficult challenge or whatever it is, right? Thankfulness. Lastly, though, the S is the word supplication. This simply means to make your request known, like ask of the Lord. Ask him what, what your needs are. God cares about your needs. He already knows what your needs are, but he cares about you bringing, to him, bringing them to him. So look, here's how most of your prayers start. Most of your prayers start down here. You never get to these things. It's just about what you need. And when you do that, you're gonna lose the God is your father component. And it's gonna be more about what you need done than what God can do in his holiness. So when we start with worship, we go to confession and thanksgiving, and then we get to our request. We put it in the proper order, just like Jesus said, hey, look, come to God because he's your father. Come to him because his name is holy. So church, whatever it is that's going on in your life, you can come to God today with it. And you can have the confidence of knowing that if you're pursuing him, he's been pursuing you. And that your prayers, they match, they meet his ears and it moves his heart. That's good news, amen? That's good news. Why don't you stand with me and let's practice that very thing as we spend the next few moments in worship. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to give his life so that we might have relationship with you, Father. We thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to remind us of what Jesus said, to remind us of his teaching, to remind us of your heart, to show us your character and your nature so that we might be one with you, Father. And I pray right now in Jesus' name, whatever it is that the enemy has wrapped around the hearts of these people that are hearing this message today, that are trying to keep them from seeing you, God, as their Father, I pray that you would break those chains right now in Jesus' name. The Lord, you would heal hearts that have been wounded from the actions of earthly, imperfect fathers. And you would, give, you would give people in this room the grace to forgive. Give them the tenderness of their heart to forgive so that we can be set free from our past and we can be one with you in relationship with you. You are our father. The sooner we believe it, live it, and get close to you, the more we're, the more we're gonna know you and the more we're gonna make you known. So Lord, have your way in this place. Have your way in this place, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and reveal the heart of the Father to this church. Holy Spirit, come and show us where we're distant from him. Convict us back to the heart of the Father that we might be one with him as you are one with him. In Jesus' name, amen.